Hey Grace, it's so good to be with you this morning, even though we are in a very unique situation as we in our community and world walk through this difficult circumstance. We're in John chapter 17. If you have your Bible, we've been spending time in that for the last two weeks. We're here together again. And in John chapter 17, we see Jesus do something that I love. We see Jesus pray for us. The summer of 2003, I was away preaching at a summer camp. I was there for eight weeks. In the middle of the summer, my grandmother sent a card to me in the mail, and it had a picture of two birds on the cover. However, it was not just a card, a stock card. She had taken it, and she had cut the faces off of both of these birds, and she had placed pictures of the two of us in the holes. She wrote inside of it the sweetest note, but at the top of the note, it said, birds of a feather. She had inserted us into this card. When we look at John chapter 17 together today, we see Jesus insert us in this passage. Believers in Jesus in 2020, believers in Jesus at every point through history are made part of what God is doing doing in us and through us in the person of Jesus and we see Him praying for certain things for us. We see that Jesus prays for our unity. In so doing, He prepares us for His glory and He promises His identity. One more time, Jesus prays for our unity. In so doing, He prepares us for His glory and He promises His identity. Let's look at John 17 and and pick up together in verse 20. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in Me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in Me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the word may believe, the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one. That the world may know you have sent me, and I have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your main name known to them and will continue to make it known, so the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Again, Jesus prays for our unity. In so doing, he prepares us for his glory, and He promises us His identity. Uh, The idea of unity in the Scriptures is a huge idea. The thing that Jesus shares with us as He talks about us being a unified people is incredibly important for us to consider as a church, especially during these very difficult times, for us to think how God has brought us together, that we are a family of people belonging to God because of the work that He has done for us and in the person of Jesus. Puritan Thomas Manton says this, Division in the church breeds atheism in the world. For us as believers, I would encourage us to consider, how are we unified as a body? And what are we doing in this situation to stir up unity? To show that we are God's people brought together for His purposes, even though together looks a little different. Now, here's what, whenever we bring up the idea of unity, we have to be careful because so many people think that the church is supposed to be uniform. So, as we're considering all of this, we need to know that unity is not uniformity. Have you ever noticed the villain armies are always the exact same? I was inspired by the geese to watch the Lord of the Rings movies with the kids. 
the orc army, they are identical almost. If you've spent time watching the Avengers movies, you know that the Chitauri army is also very similar. The most well-known pop culture army is in Star Wars. And they're called Stormtroopers. And they're known for three things. Their iconic white armor, their fanatic loyalty, and their inability to hit a target with a blaster. I've got a Stormtrooper question for you. What is the name of the first unmasked Stormtrooper in the live-action Star Wars movies? A. Poe B. Lando C. Finn or D. Ben And a bonus question for you. What movie does he or she first appear in? One more time. What is the name of the first unmasked stormtrooper in the live-action Star Wars movies? A. Poe B. Lando C. Finn or D. Ben And what movie does he or she first appear in? Well, if you've spent any time watching Star Wars, you know that the answer to that is C, Finn. And the first movie that this character appeared in was Episode 7, The Force Awakens. This idea of stormtroopers and their uniformity. There's this idea that the church is supposed to be like this. The pastor is Palpatine and the members are his army. Everyone looks, acts, and believes the exact same way. But that is not who the church is to be at all. Uh, We look at where Paul talks about the church, and he says this about our uniqueness. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Church family, we can be different. Think about the Trinity. There's a uniqueness within the Trinity. We can be a different people who are distinct and unique. However, though we know that unity does not equal uniformity, we also have to know that unity has a unifier. Unity has a unifier. Think about church history. You've got Peter, Paul, and probably Mary. All different people. With different thoughts and different responses to Jesus. You have John Calvin, who was different from the Wesleys, who were different from Luther. You have Augustine, who had distinct beliefs from each of them. You have Billy Graham, who believed differently on lots of things than all of them. You can go on and on. You've got Spurgeon. You've got Moody. You've got A.W. Tozer. We have some modern theologians like Tim Keller and John Piper. There are numerous things that are distinct about them. However, there is one thing that brings them together. That is the central truth that holds all of us together who will be with Jesus in eternity. Christ crucified and resurrected. D.A. Carson, one of my favorite Canadian theologians, he's actually the only Canadian theologian that I know, says this, Unity in the church is not achieved by hunting enthusiastically for the lowest common denominator, but by common adherence to the apostolic gospel. We are brought together by the message of hope communicated by God sending His Son to live, die in our place, and be resurrected to show that sin does not have an eternal hold on us. Even in our family of faith, some of us 
I have all of us have different backgrounds. Some of us have Methodist background. Some of us are kind of Baptist. We've even got a few Presbyterians. We have some Episcopalians in the room. We have all of these believers coming from different places. But we have one unifying truth. We are brought together by one thing. Christ crucified and resurrected. We see that God has done a work for us in Jesus that is incredibly significant because it brings His people together from throughout history, from throughout the world. So because we know that Jesus has prayed for our unity, we can trust and we can believe that He is preparing us for His glory. Glory is a big Bible word. And it's one of the favorite words of lots of denominations. We see this text talking to us about the glory when we get to verse 24. Father, I want them, those you have given me, to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. Jesus letting us know that before there was any type of was, God loved him. He loved him from the very beginning, before there was a beginning. Glory is this word in the Bible, and it's incredibly important. It's tied to this as we break down the word. It's tied to esteem, or the idea of natural and essential worth that belongs only to God. But we see the glory of God revealed as we look through the Gospels, and we see that Matthew tells us a story where Peter, James, and John experience the transfiguration where they see the glory of Jesus. And Peter there wants to build tents because these guys are two big Old Testament deals, and evidently Jesus, who they've been walking with, is in the exact same conversation based on what he's seeing. But a voice from heaven says this is all about Jesus when God the Father speaks and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It is there that we see Jesus saying, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, my distinct, unique glory. Jesus prays, Father, I want them to see the essential value that belongs only to the triune God. And because we are believers in Jesus, who He is preparing for glory right now, who He prayed that we would be prepared for glory at this point 2,000 years ago, we can see the glory of the Father and the Son through the work of Jesus. We share it by the Spirit of God, which was provided through the death and resurrection of Jesus. John 1.14 said it to us this way, We have observed His glory the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. But, but we don't even see it in full on this side of heaven. Well, it's very much like this. If you've ever been on a trip to Disney, you know that that experience begins way before the trip ever happens. Mom and Dad, more than likely Mom, plans the trip. The bracelets show up in the mail, and you post a picture of those bracelets on Instagram. And the anticipation and excitement build. You begin to drive or fly to Orlando or California. The excitement grows even more. You get to Florida, excitement builds. You get to Orlando, you builds even more. You get on the outskirts of the park and kids, your kids are in the car trying to unbuckle themselves because they cannot keep it together. But the fullness of their experience happens when you get inside of the park. In this life, friends, 
we see glimpses of God's full glory. But in heaven, Jesus says, when we are with Him forever, we will see it in full. John actually points this out in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-3, through 3, when He tells us that one day we will be like Him, because we will see Him as He is. Well, if we're going to look at the idea of Jesus preparing us, we have to ask how He's preparing us. How do we grow in our everyday glimpses of the glory of God? I'm glad that we ask because according to John, His glory is full of grace and truth and His Word is truth. Think about the truth that God is communicating to us through His Word. God will show us His glory and grow us in truth through His Word. We will grow in our glimpses of Jesus as we spend time in His Word as we dedicate ourselves to what He would teach us from His Word. We see Jesus say in in the King James Version, Thy Word is truth. I like the use of thy there. We see Joshua in the Old Testament. He takes over the book of the law and says, This book of the law shall proceed. In Psalm 1, a psalm that many of us have memorized, Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, the first thing the Jewish king is to do is copy longhand the words of his book, read them every day, and revere the words of the Lord your God, and not think too highly of yourself. Paul in the New Testament says to us that he he prays for the Romans to be transformed by the renewing of their minds, which takes place as we spend time in God's Word. The whole idea of God making His people more holy so that we would be synced up with the goodness of God's glory takes place as we spend time in His Word, as God reveals it to us, the exclusivity of Jesus. We see Jesus preparing us for glory. Finally, we see because Jesus prays for our unity, He promises His identity. Go with me to verses 25 and 26. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. We see that around us. We see that in where people who are not followers of Jesus are placing their hope in difficulties, in circumstances. However, Jesus says, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Friends, we see Jesus promising His identity to us. We can see this new identity multiple times in these verses, in verse 23 and in verse 26. It is a shared desire, as we look at the idea of this identity, to show God's sacrificial love. Think through this. The phrase, I in them, can be translated, I may be in them. It means I may be among them, which means you're displaying, displayed in their love for one another, that we as a church would love one another. It can also be translated, I may be within them, so they become loving people. So think through this, friends. As we look at this passage, we see Jesus praying that His love is displayed through us to one another. So we should ask ourselves, is that taking place? And that Jesus prays that we will become loving people. Of course, as we look at these words, we see that both of those are present in what God has provided for us in the person of Jesus. In Jesus, we are able to display the love of God to one another. And in Jesus, we are people who can become more loving. 
God's natural, sacrificial love for His Son is supposed to become our love. So church family, we have an opportunity for you. We know that many families in our congregation and beyond are in our community are struggling with finances in this unique world that we're living in. If you'll go to our Facebook page, and if you go to the Grace Family Needs page, many of you are part of both, you will see that there's an opportunity for you uh, to help families through a coronavirus family relief fund. And I want you to think through ways that you can interact with that. Now, I know all of us don't have the financial resources to step into a situation like that, but there are opportunities for you to pray, for you to commit a small portion of the time that you have, or a large portion of the time that you have, to pray for families who are in need. Also, for those of us who do have the resources to help those who are hurting and struggling, there's a way for you to give so that we can help our families, not only our church family, but there is opportunity for us to help families beyond our congregation who in our community are struggling with the loss of jobs or the loss of just a portion of their income. What an opportunity God has given us as His people to look at the world that we live in and be a unified people because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Brought together to not only be people who have seen His glory, who are continually seeing His glory, but who are people who are able through Jesus to display His glory as we show love for our neighbors. Sacrificial, God-honoring love. Because when we look at the God the Father in the Bible, we see that God the Father had sacrificial love for us in that He would give His Son's life. Would we be people who choose to do the same? Because we've experienced something that is eternal. Because God has prayed for our unity. Our hope is that we would be people who live out that unity with those who are believers and with those who we hope to be believers in Jesus. I want to pray for us, and then we will say the Lord's Prayer together. Jesus, I thank you for the people of Grace Bible. I thank you that you love them, that you care for them, that you want them to know you that you have given them a way to know you initially and a way to grow in their knowledge of you through your word, that you allow us to interact with you in prayer. Jesus, that we are people who are called by you. God, we have the privilege of being called by you to love our friends and neighbors, to love our church family and beyond. So I pray that we as a people would see the opportunity you've given us to show light in darkness, to show hope in despair. We ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. Let's say this together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.